Hey, welcome to Pastors Standing Firm, a podcast for pastors and spiritual leaders who are standing for truth in an age of deception. My name is Jeremiah. I've got a special guest with me today. He comes all the way from North Carolina. He's the pastor of Freedom House Church. I want you to give a big Pastor Standing Firm welcome to Pastor Troy Maxwell. Pastor Troy, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I got a little sinus thing going on, but other than that, doing great, man. Thanks for thanks for uh, having me, and uh, what an honor, man. Good to meet you too. It's the first time we've ever met. Yeah, oh, it's very yeah. Cool. It's really good to meet. We got some mutual friends, and so it's a, it's an honor to have you here. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Our listeners might not know you. Are you married? Do you have any kids? Tell us a little bit about you. Yep, I am. I hail from Charlotte, North Carolina right now. I pastor a church called Freedom House. I'm not originally from Charlotte. I'm originally from Richmond, Virginia. Go Rams, BCU. That's my alma mater. Um, I'm a businessman turned pastor. So I was in business, kind of ran my own deal for a while, did a lot of uh, financial planning and stuff like that. And then God called me into ministry. And so I've been pastoring now for a little over 20 years. Um, I'm in my, so this is my 20th anniversary for our church and my 30th wedding anniversary. Well, happy anniversary. And so I've been married for 30 years to the same woman all in a row. You have to say that nowadays, just to make <laughs> sure it's clear. And, uh, I have three children. I have a son who is 24. I have a daughter who's 22. And then I have another daughter who is getting ready to turn 21, and I'm an empty nester. Look at that. A fairly new empty nester, which is phenomenal. You know, my wife and I just run around our house naked all the time. <laughs> and so it's it's incredible. No, I love it and uh, love my church. Uh, our church, we started from scratch um, before kind of the church planting movement hit. And so this was pre-ARC, pre all these, you know, church planting organizations. They call me a, they call me a parachute plant is what uh, Chris Hodges called me. He said, I started in an elementary school and we didn't know anybody, didn't have any relationships. It was just a word from God to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And we parachuted in from uh, Richmond, Virginia with our three kids who that at that time were four, two and, and zero, just, just born. And, scratched out the church with about started with about 30 people and now i've grown now we have uh, four campuses three uh, permanent campuses an online campus and we also meet in the county jail and so uh yeah man it's going good we're, ha we're having a blast love it having a blast building the kingdom one changed life at a time man that is exciting yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much for everything that you've done. So, you know, the last two, two and a half years, I mean, it's been crazy. It's been crazy, crazy for everybody, especially for pastors. So tell us a little bit about what you <coughs> have learned over the past two years in your leadership journey. That's a big question. Um, I think the biggest thing that we have learned is uh, specifically who we are. I think one of the things that came out of uh, COVID and the pandemic and, and, you know, churches shutting down and, um, you know, this crazy political arena that we're in is we, you know, we've been going for, you know, we had been going for 18 years and, you know, as a church gets larger, you kind of, 
simplify what you do. You know, you kind of get clearer and clearer on exactly what you're called to do. And I think we really found our lane in, in, in speaking out um, against um, tyranny, against things. We were not a political church. You know, matter of fact, we kind of stayed away from politics and uh, weren't really involved and didn't get too engaged in what was going on from that standpoint. We feel like our calling was to really speak on Jesus, the gospel, invite people in, send them out, plant churches, do missions work. You know, Acts 1-8, you know, God empowered us to, to reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, make disciples of all men. That was our calling. But now we, we, we dialed into just a real clear call uh, when we sat down as a team and when uh, the government, specifically North Carolina, was saying you can't meet. And I was like, well, I can't do that. I can't not have church. I can't, be, I can't not be the hospital that people need. And we're going to open our doors regardless of what people say. And, and uh, you know, you don't have to wear a mask. It's totally up to you. You know, I'm, I'm, you can do whatever you want. I'm all about freedom. And so that was our big thing is we, we stepped into some very, um, I, I think people would say that we're, we're shaky ground, but we found a firmness in building on it. We spoke out against Black, Black Lives Matter, the organization, and our church at the time, you know, is, is about, was about 50-50 black, white. And so uh, just really found some clarity in the calling that God had put on us as a church and stepped into it. And it's, it's been amazing. You know, it had people talk about how difficult it's been over the last two years for us. Sure. There've been difficult decisions, but those decisions have become easy because we, we, we put together some real strong values that pushed us forward. (laughs) I love it, man. That's exactly what, the journey that me and Brian and other pastors have been on, I mean, we've just been just soaking it up and looking to spiritual leaders like yourself and saying, hey, they're going the direction that we want to go. And, and that's really why we yeah. have you here. I love what you said because you said, hey, we, we've got to gather people. We're the hospital. We're, we're the place where people come in and get healed because right. the enemy has been attacking people. And then you mentioned you have an online campus as well. So how do you... How did you navigate the tension between, because I think a lot of people kind of stayed kind of uh, inactive in a lot of ways because right. it was just so easy to just do everything online. They were saying, hey, don't gather yeah. in person, just do it online. So how did you differentiate the, the between people joining online and the you know value that you have for those who are a part of your online campus, as well as those who need to be gathered together with the saints and making sure that we're not stopping the gathering or the assembling ourselves together. How, how did you kind of wrestle with the tension between, well, we could do it online, but we need to right. have people in person. You know, I have a, a great pastor. His name is Pastor Gerald Brooks, and he's been doing ministry for 42 years and or more than that, probably. And he uh, we had a conversation and and this is kind of the genesis of it for us. And I, I was talking to him and I was like, man, I'm really struggling because I want to be open. But, you know, it's it's easier to do online. It's less uh, in your face. 
And, you know, it was going good. I mean, for churches, yeah. honestly, most pastor would tell you, or your online numbers were up and your money was up and everything was going good. And I just felt, I felt dissatisfied with it. And so, you know, I was talking to him and he said something really, really powerful. He said, Troy, do you think God pauses the word for a pandemic? And I was like, no, I don't think so. And he said, well, then why would you ever forsake the assembling of yourself together if God expects that out of the church? And, you know, he didn't go, hey, Troy, you know, you're a knucklehead. You need to open your doors. He just basically confirmed that something on the inside of me that made me realize that community cannot be achieved through a video screen. And online has a place in the body of Christ. And I, I think it's a bridge. It's a bridge that people can walk on to come into community. And community is what's necessary for people's lives to be changed. I don't, I don't think you can live without community. You, you have to have it. We were designed for it. And I think, you know, you can see it in the rise in suicide, the rise yeah. in depression, the rise in, I mean, I, I remember reading in like 2021 in Australia, they had six cases of COVID and 500 suicides. Wow. You know, suicides went up in California over 3000% because people were isolated and I just, I couldn't do it. You know, we closed down for a few weeks and then I said, Hey, listen, we're going to open up. If people, um, if people don't come, that's fine. I'll preach to one or a hundred or whatever, whatever's necessary, but I feel like the doors need to be open and we just pushed through. And it really, it really was a stance for us. We were one of the only churches in Charlotte <clears throat> at the time that had opened up. I think there were maybe me and a buddy named Jay Stewart uh, pastors a church called Refuge, which is you know about 30 minutes away from me. And we talked and I said, hey, I'm opening up this week. He goes, I'm going to do it with you. And we, you know, we kind of stepped out together, and, whereas other churches didn't do it. And um, it was the best thing that we did. And, I, you know, I started out like, you know, we didn't wear masks ever. That was never an issue for us. Um, I did the social distancing for about maybe a week. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Just put the chairs back to normal. And we'll just, people do whatever they want to do. If they want to come, great. If they don't want to come, great. If they want to social distance, they'll do it. It's up to them. We just got to give them the freedom to make that choice their own. So, you know, if Walmart can be open, Lowe's can be open, strip clubs can be open, the ABC store can be open, surely the church can be open. And we needed it. And we saw, we helped a ton of people during that process that were struggling with being isolated. And you know, so so community is just it's a dire need for 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 human beings. We want to belong. We want to feel like we have connections with people. It really is. And people put all this focus on this, you know, physical well-being, but they never yeah. talked about the emotional or the spiritual well-being. Oh, man. So I mean, much. how so many much. people are living, but they're dead inside. I mean, how many people Absolutely. are just so isolated? They're so struggling. They're addicted to all kinds of substances just to yep. medicate their way through. You know, I got in yep. my hand right here, this book that you wrote, it's called the panic room. It, it says panic, anxiety, and the art of lying to everyone. And it, it looks like you really wrote this out of a place of extreme need in your own yeah. life. So tell yeah. us a little bit about how the book came about and really if someone's going to pick it up, what they're going to encounter. Yeah, well, so first of all, the book 
the timing of it was not my decision. So it didn't come out. It came out in 2020, right in the middle of this thing. I had no idea, obviously, what was going on. I don't think any of us did. I had been working on the book for about two or three years. Um, you know, and you have to go back to probably 2006, 2007. I started having panic attacks because of the pressure of ministry. I wasn't taking good care of myself. I wasn't resting. I wasn't, you know, eating right. I just wasn't, you know, I was taking all of the the weight of the church on me. We had to raise money to build a building. And this was, we were, our, our church was nine years mobile before we had a physical wow. location. And so we were meeting in an elementary school for nine years. And so a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. And so we wanted to get out of that. And so we had to raise money. All of that, I just took it upon myself and I started having panic attacks. And it just really, it, it messed up my life, but it also had such an impact on my church, my leadership, my family, my marriage. And so, um, so I, you know, kind of, I don't believe you should ever write a book while you're processing something. I think you should be on the other side of it. Yes. You know, I don't, I don't think we all get, we ever get fully delivered from something. I think it's part of who we are. And so, you know, I, I, I dealt with probably about 80, 85% of it. When I got to that 15% mark, I started writing this book and, and it's just my story. It, it really is a simple story. I wrote it for, for one reason and one reason alone. And that's to, for people to read it. It's an easy read. I was at a church, uh, just, just two weeks ago, the pastor said it's about a two bathroom book. <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. And uh, so it's an easy read, which is what I like. You know, you can read it real quick. And it's it's basically my story that tells you, hey, this guy is really jacked up. If he can do it, I can do it. If I can, if you if he can make it through it, I can make it through it. My wife writes two chapters in there about, you know, from her side of the table, um, you know, how she dealt with me and my panic attacks and what I went through. And, um, it was just, you know, it, it just came out of that. I did a study guide. There's a bunch of videos. You can just go to troymaxwell.com and there's all kinds of stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with Nathan Pinocchio, but he has a thing called Theos U. I did a hot topic on mental health and ministry. And, uh, because honestly, what I found is a lot of leaders struggle with depression, anxiety, or even panic, and they don't want to talk about it. They isolate themselves and they typically lie to people about it because they're ashamed. And, um, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, one, that an isolated man rages against all wise judgment. Um, he seeks his own desire. And that's what happens when you isolate yourself, especially when you're dealing with something. And, you know, you and I both know that the Bible tells us that where we're weak, God's strong. But it's in the admittance of that weakness that we can experience God's strength. And so that's what the whole book is about. Man, you're speaking some really, really good truth that I think a lot of people who are listening can say, hey, I appreciate that. What I like most about books like this is I love just hearing that other people are jacked up because it just gives me hope because I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one who struggles yeah. with stuff, you know, because sometimes yeah. you look yeah. at people are successful. I mean, when I look at you and I say, wow, look what he's built. Look what God's done. Look what God's doing. Look where they're going. <clears throat> Sometimes it could get a little bit overwhelming to say, well, why is sure. it not happening with me? And then when you read stuff yeah. like this, you're like, okay, wait a minute. You know, maybe, 
Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that is. So let's kind of shift the focus a little bit to the way that you lead in a current standpoint. Because right now we got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. I mean, we got uh, yeah. we got the culture that is saying you have to treat men who claim they're women as if they're actually women. They're winning they're winning like women. Hey listen, hey listen, we can't talk. I'm not a biologist, so <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm like people wake up like this is this is the emperor has no clothes on okay that is that is where we're at in our culture so how are you leading with truth in your spiritual community because i've been trying to tell people we're a spiritual community we are not a natural community there is something that god is doing among us and we have to recognize jesus says i am the way the truth and the life. And truth yeah. is such a rare commodity in our culture today. So how are you leading your people, leading the church that God has you appointed to serve? How are you leading with truth? Well, Ephesians 1 in the message says that the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. In other words, our role as the church is to create culture, not follow it. Amen. And and so, you know, our big thing at, at Freedom House is our, our church was founded on John chapter eight, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I can't think of a better time in our, you know, culture. I don't, I, I you know, people go, man, we're just, this is a problem and, you know, so sad. And, and, you know, this is such a challenging time. I kind of look at it as, Man, this is the greatest moment for the church ever. Yes. Like people right now need truth, need grace, need understanding, need a biblical worldview. They need people. They need leadership, really. Um, there's such a vacuum of leadership. This is our moment. This is our time. And how how important it is, is it for us to not, you can't live in the middle anymore. You've got to discuss these things. You can't, you know, re- resolve to talk about abortion just in a life group or, you know, homosexuality just in this particular environment or transgender issues because people are being faced with it every single day of their life. And they need to know what what should I believe? Yeah. Like, how do I handle this? And, you know, what I found is a lot of Christians, believers are a, are a bit illiterate when it comes to being able to handle these questions. And, you know, I have a little saying that I share with our church, values determine choices, choices determine results. Values determine choices, choices determine results. If you don't like the result, you have to go back to what you value because we all have values. and. So I'm a firm believer that as, as Christians, we should know what we value. So that's why we do what we do. That's why we, you know, on social media, on Sunday mornings, we're not, you know, resoluting to do something outside of a Sunday morning. We're going to talk about those issues, the elephant in the room, whatever you want to call it, man, it's just, it's necessary. And so we're tackling really, really challenging, you know, in Charlotte, we're kind of a purple state. so. We're tackling a lot of the racial stuff because that's something that's talked about all the time. Um, you know, my wife just recently was, uh, and, and both of us are are 
called racist and white supremacist all the time, all because we're trying to get people out of a victim mentality. Yeah. Just sharing the truth with them and they get mad. And, um, you know, so that's, that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's how we're doing it. We're just being in your face, which is, which is the way that I believe God does it. You know, if you look at the Bible, specifically prophetic people that came into environments, there would always be like this shift. So, you know, if you look at Israel, they would, they would, you know, kind of shift over to idolatry, you know, worship of God, other gods, and then God would bring a prophet along a voice and then boom, he would shift them, bring the balance all the way back over here. You know, Elijah killed all the prophets of Baal and Asherah. He would, you know, ran faster. He just did all these, just bring this balance over, you know, and then all of a sudden you see Israel just go right back into the same thing. And then God would bring a voice. Well, right now God has called the church to be that prophetic voice, to be that voice of truth right now in this season to bring balance back. And because if we don't, you know, we're, we're, we're going to lose a generation. Um, and so we have to do it. So it's, it's more of a mandate for me, you know, using the word mandate. It's a mandate for us to, to have to do this and push hard against culture. And, you know, sadly, I've gotten a lot of flack from pastors. I can't believe you're doing that. I can't, well, you know, hey, whatever. I'm going to still do it. That's we're going right. to still go after it. I'm just glad there's podcasts like yours. That are that are bringing some guys that are are doing these same things, and I'm glad you're speaking out and having the guts to say some things that need to be said. So proud of you, man! Keep, well, I appreciate keep going it. for it. Because listen, people are hungry for truth right now. They're hungry for it. Like our people are leaning in, and what you mentioned, all of the things, race things. Like we have a very very diverse church, and people are being told you're a victim. Like the yeah. whole system is against you. Everything's stacked against you. And I'm like, people, people, people wake up. <laughs> that is not the gospel. Yeah. The gospel is, yes, there is an enemy and he wants to destroy you. He wants to steal. He wants to kill you. And what you do is you claim God's promises that I am right. more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Yep. There is no yep. room to be a victim with that statement. They're, they're, yep. God's promises are... Yep are always for us to triumph. We go from victory to victory. That's that's how yeah. we ought to live. And what I love is yeah. people are wrestling with it. I had a guy come up to me recently, and his work was making them put their pronouns at the end of their email signature. And he said, oh my God. do I have to do this? I said, listen, it's a matter of conscience. And that's what you have yeah. to you have to wrestle to the ground is, God, where do you want me to stand on this? I realize this is... A deceptive tactic. Now, yeah. am I supposed to take a stand on this issue or am I supposed to just, hey, this is a minor issue and I'm just going to get through it because I'm still going to love people. I think that's what we've got to teach people is it's a matter of conscience. What My favorite mm -hmm. thing right now, Very good. I heard from one of my friends, he was actually on the podcast just a few weeks ago. His name is Mike Burnett. He pastors a church in Clarksville, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, LifePoint Life Church. Guy. Yeah, he was on here. And he he spoke this word into my life. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul says, this is our boast and, and he actually says these are the things that we're we're boasting in that we do and he says that we have godly sincerity and i think that that's mm. something that we've lost because when you read second corinthians from that vantage point you see paul time and time again he says that we're in the sight of god 
that he yeah. has this God awareness about everything in his life. And he says, listen, if you want to judge my motives, you need to understand that I'm living in this terrified state right now because God is mm. watching me. And I've wow. got godly sincerity. I am through and through telling you exactly how I feel. There's no hidden motives whatsoever. I'm not trying to please the next person right over here. I'm not trying to please this group of people who are saying, you've got to be woke like us if you're going to really you know, be a person of love. He's saying, I'm standing in the sight of God, and I'm telling you, I'm being as honest as I possibly can. And that's what I'm training people to do is like, you need to get a fear of the Lord in your life. And you need to stand on the issues that God says, no, 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 no. This is not something that you're supposed to just go along with. This is not an area where you're just supposed to just be quiet and just kind of just let it just ride out. This is an area where you're supposed to stand up, be a voice crying in the wilderness that there is a Lord and he's coming to judge the earth. Earth, and I need you to know that you've got to get your life right with him. And I think when we get people to that point, we can get them to really contemplate some of these current issues that we're facing yeah. from yeah. a standpoint of I'm doing it because God is looking at me. He's looking at yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to have a conviction. I mean, we have to t- teach people and, and, and really whoever's listening right now, just you got to have those values. We have them. But you just, there's got to be a, a firm foundation. You know, you can do a lot of stuff with sand, but you just can't build on it. And so you got to make sure that you're building on something that's strong, that's lasting. And, you know, as, as a believer, it has to be eternal. You know, eternal is what's going to last, not what's going on. This phase, listen, this, you know, this political thing that we're seeing right now, it's going to be up and down. Look, in two years, it's going to be crazy again. 2024, it's going to be crazy again. Another two years, it's going to be crazy again. It's just going to constantly be back and forth until Jesus comes back. And so we as the church have to be that place where people can come and they sense the peace of God, the presence of God, the, the foundation of God. There has to be a firm. That's why, that's why Jesus is our cornerstone. Everything builds from that cornerstone, from that one rock that we move, we cannot be, that cannot be moved, that cannot be changed. And, and that's, you know, that's why we do what we do is to help people understand that, that a worldview is important and you're going to have to pop, you're going to have to pay a price. You know, your buddy not signing, you know, he, him, I don't even understand the whole program pronouns thing. You know, that's, you could lose your job and you have to decide, am I willing to be convicted enough to be able to lose my job for this or lose my friends for this or, you know, have to maybe change churches. I, I talked to so many people, they're in, indecisive about, should I stay at this church, you know, and, and should, should, I, should I leave this place? Because I've been here for 15 years and now this is what's going on. And I, I, I don't know what to do. Well, if you have a conviction like a conscience and this conscience has been seared by God, then you'll know what to do. You, you know what to do. It's just a matter of acting on it. You know what I'm saying? It's so true. It's so true. And I think that's why it's so important for spiritual leaders to speak out because people are already sensing this and we need to just go ahead and just nudge them and say, yeah, 
go. Do what the Lord is calling you to do. They're looking yeah. for someone to just stamp that approval on it and say, yes, that's God. That's his voice. Take a bold stand. Because yep. if we don't, listen, the culture is going to keep shifting. I think that what, what spiritual leaders have lost in today's day and age is they've lost the ability to just straight up offend people. Just <laughs> offend people. You need yeah. to offend people. The gospel is offensive. Jesus, I can't tell you the number of times. He said, John chapter 6, he, the feeding of the 5,000. He turns to his disciples. He says, you're going to leave too? Yeah, <laughs> you're going to get exactly. out of here too? I mean, I don't yeah. need any of you guys, but if God's moving on your heart, you need to take a bold stand in this because right now yeah. everybody yeah. else is walking away because they heard me say right. something that they couldn't get along with. And I right. think that's what the remnant is all about. I think that's what God is purifying his church. He's getting a bride ready for the wedding supper of the lamb. And we miss it because we're trying to be so culturally relevant. We're trying to make sure we speak all the right language because, well, we don't want to offend them on these little issues because we want them to have the gospel. And I'm saying the issues are what's going to lead them to the gospel. They're going to realize yeah. their brokenness and yeah. their sinfulness and their utter just offensiveness to God because they've been going their own way and we've got to call right. it out and we say you're you're going your own way you are not walking in the ways of the Lord yeah so how, yeah. how do you wrestle with that balance of I don't want to offend people on issues that may not be of utmost importance at the same time saying if I don't stand for truth in every area then I'm not standing for truth because I'm just going along with the cultural lies. So if you know, if I don't know about you and what you've experienced, but 95, I'd, I'd even say 98% of the people who get upset with me are not unsaved people. These are Christians that are, have just kind of this twisted view of, you know, love is love and, you know, God is kind and, you know, God, I can't believe that you would say that, you know, and um, I was just preaching uh, this past weekend on the parable of the talents. And, you know, the story of, you know, he gave five to one, he gave two to one and he gave one to one. And I was talking about how God is not fair. He's just that God's not a socialist. We want him to give each one of the, the servants the same amount, but he gave each one of them at different amounts based on their ability. It says because of their ability. Yeah. Ability simply means their ability to carry because a talent is a weight. So he was talking about weight. Mm. He was talking about, you know, this guy could carry five talents. He had the ability to carry capacity, capability to, to carry. Well, you know what he said to the last guy who protected what he had? What did he say to him? What did he call him? Wicked, a wicked and lazy servant. You know, how many times has, has, you know, I, and I, the way I read it to the church, I said, and he tweeted, you wicked, lazy, and lazy <laughs> servant. And, <clears throat> and we don't, religious people don't like that. They don't like to think of God being a, a little bit strong in the comments. And usually it's the Christians who come after us that get mad at us for saying something strong against you know something racially sensitive or that's uh, truth related or that's political it's it's not the unsaved people it's not those folks those folks are are listening and they're going man I, you know that's true like that's right 
it's all it's mainly the religion. So the way I look at it is that's what Jesus did. He called them snakes. He called them whitewashed tombs. So he spoke against the religious. Those were the ones that got offended with the religious. And so I don't mind offending religious people. I don't mind offending, you know, the, the scribes and Pharisees that think they're you know higher than everybody else. And, you know, I just block them. I delete them. I just move on with my, cause I don't care. Like they're, they're going to be judged for their inability or lack of, of truth speaking when they get to heaven. My job right now is just to stay in my lane and keep moving in that direction and you're not going to jam me out of this. You're not going to push me away from this. You're not going to bully me out of staying in this. And so I recognize what a bully is. We've all had them in our life. And so I'm going to keep moving forward and um, listen to the voices that I have in my life that I've said in my life that, hey, listen, if I say something and they go, hey, Troy, uh, that's probably not, you know, you probably need to change that. And I'll listen to them. But uh, those other folks, they, they just want they just want their 15 seconds of fame on your platform. And so that's why I just keep going forward. That's, that's right. what, that's what, that's what my wife, my wife, listen, my wife is way more bold than I am just because I'm not a fan of social media. You know, it's just, I'm kind of, kind of tired of it, but she's really good on it. And so, uh, she, she's really strong she gets beat up a lot and I get the residual effect of that. <laughs> you know, they come after me. It's so funny, but anyway, that's why, what, that's why we do it. I love it. And you said you, you got to build on truth. You can't build on sand. And yeah. Paul, or I mean, Peter says that, that Jesus, our cornerstone, he's become a stumbling stone to some people, you know? And I I think, I think that's where people are. They're stumbling over the fact that they're not standing for truth and they got that shaky foundation and they've got to realize the reason why you're stumbling is because you don't have Jesus as Lord. You don't have him as Supreme. You've got this worldly ideology as Lord and you don't even realize you're serving this worldly mindset. That's why James says in James 4, 4, he says, you adulterous people, don't you realize friendship with the world is enmity with God? Yeah. I mean, he says you're adulterous because what yeah. you've done is you've forsaken that first love and you've put this love of yourself. That's really what it boils down to. You yeah. you think that it's cultural relevance and stuff. No, it's, it's you want to love yourself and you want to protect yeah. yourself yeah. at all costs. And if it's going to cost you something to take a stand for truth, yeah. no, I'd rather love myself and not love Jesus and put him of preeminent importance and I think that's so, so good, important man. to get to, back to that place. Okay, yeah, Pastor yeah. Troy, this has been a just a fantastic conversation, okay? Pretend this. You're in a room full of leaders, and people are ready to hear from Pastor Troy Maxwell. And what is one <laughs> message that you want to give spiritual leaders to lead boldly in 2022? You know, I, I think that, <clears throat> I think it would be a couple things, okay? First of all, if I'm talking to a bunch of young leaders that, that are, that haven't been doing this very long is number one, make sure you have the right people around you. Okay. So first of all, as you grow in your relationship with God, quality trumps quantity every time. And so I think a lot of young guys, a lot of young leaders, they feel like they need to have a big group of people. And what happens is, you know, I'm, I'm almost 53 years old. My friend level has gone down quite a bit, but my level of friends has gone up. That's good. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, so 
So who you surround yourself with is extremely important. Um, with that being said, uh, relationships are seasonal. And I've had to learn that, you know, right now with people in my life that I thought would be there forever. And they're not forever. We want them to, but they're not forever. Um, seek the approval of God more than man. And that's a, that's a tough one. It's easy to say, but it's difficult to live out. I think that uh, a lot of guys will really look to almost, almost saying truth with a question mark mm. instead of an exclamation point. Wow. And so it's like, Hey, I'm saying this for real. Do you like this? Wow. You know, or am I saying this because I truly believe it and I'm not going to back away from it? You know, so just make sure you know what the exclamation points are in your life. Um, I think that right now that with what's been going on, and I'm sure, you know, you'll probably cover this in a podcast coming up is, you know, there's a lot of pastors and leaders that are falling and, um, you, you got to stay pure. You got to stay strong and, um, and, and just make sure that your context of your relationship with God is so much more important than just your, 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 um, your preparation. So, you know, your, your time with God is, is so, so vital. Your prayer time, your word time, your, spending time with, with the Lord in, in community, communal, like just deep relationship is so, so vital right now. Um, that you can't, you can't, you can't replace that with anything else. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think those are like the key things right now, because those are things that I'm working on, yeah. you know, like that right now in 2022, 2020 was kind of a reset for us. 2021 was all right we're moving forward we're letting go of some stuff and god you know god grew our church everything just exploded it was pretty crazy you know we focused on men which is a big big issue for us right now we're really we we spent a bunch of money we bought 43 acres for our men um to have a retreat center a retreat place and so i think as the as the as the men go so does the church and, and so, um, so these are things that just are on my heart right now, my time with the Lord, uh, cause it's easy to become a, uh, part-time Christian and a full-time minister. And I don't want to be that. Man. I don't want to be that. Yeah. That's a good word. So number one, cause I just want to recap. This. this is good. Who yeah. are you surrounding yourself with the people, the crowd that you're with? Number yeah. two yeah. is don't speak your words with a question mark, looking for someone to validate that you get yeah. yourself before the Lord. You get those exclamation part points and you speak it boldly. And then lastly is be honest with the Lord. Be honest with yourself. Yeah. Don't play games. Yeah. Don't hide stuff. If you got issues, find someone that you can confide in that's going to yes. keep you accountable yes. and get it out. Don't hide that yeah. stuff, man. There's too many people who are doing that. Man, Pastor Troy, this has been a very enriching conversation. I know a lot of people are benefiting from it. If people want to find you online, I think you mentioned it earlier. Where, where do they go if they want to follow you, if they want to hear some more of what you got? So I'm on I'm on social media, you know, Troy Maxwell, at Troy Maxwell. I'm on Facebook. I'm uh, um, on MySpace. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you can you can go to my website troymaxwell.com where you can get my book. Uh, freedomhouse.cc is our church, 
So that's probably the best way to, to, to get in touch with me. And, and, uh, you know, Hey, enjoyed it, man. This was fantastic, bro. I appreciate you just thinking about me and, and, uh, love getting to meet you. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for just, uh, just taking some steps to enrich and empower people in their walk with God. And it really means a lot. And I know it's affecting a lot of people. So way to go, buddy. Well, thanks so much, Pastor Troy. We really appreciate it. Thanks for being here on Pastor Standing Firm. When you've done everything you can do, stand.